Welcome to episode 530 of Salcedo Paranormal. And tonight I'm continuing my review of the complete books of Charles Fort. As always, you can find all episodes of the show along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page. And that is Salcedo Paranormal dot podbean.com that's s-a-l-s-i-d-o paranormal dot podbean.com always happy to hear from you all whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences whether they're your own or from others that you trust happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them thank you all for listening whether you are here for the live streams on discord or if you listen to the podcast or YouTube feeds, or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP, Digital Broadcasting. There you can hear replays of two episodes of the show every night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. As always, I want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast for producing these shows and putting them up on the station as you hear them with all the music and everything. Um, if you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. I have some paranormal fiction and nonfiction books you can check out on Amazon. Um, also a Patreon page where you can get one extra True Paranormal Stories from the Web episode every month. Uh, for signing up to any of the membership tiers there. and uh, Or you can just give a one-time donation through PayPal. Uh, help is never expected, but always appreciated, uh, as there are expenses in making these shows from equipment to research materials to travel expenses in some cases. And um, so, yeah, I think that takes care of all of that. And we're continuing our review of the complete books of Child Support finally made it to the last one and that, that is of course wild talents and just got into it in the last episode and so now we're going to continue with that and these shows are always based on reviews uh not reviews summaries of each chapter of each of these books that are generated by ai and then we go over those summaries and talk about the um the, the ideas in those uh summaries so that is how these shows work and um, I have a few other books in mind for once we do finish this. I don't know when that'll be, um, but um, it will happen, especially now that we're on the last book. Uh, I'll let you all know when we get there, and uh, we'll figure out. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll put in a, um, in the Discord, I'll, I'll let you all know what options I have set aside, and we can uh, decide on that together. Uh, so I definitely recommend joining the Discord as well. Um, okay, so that takes care of all of that. So let me get back to the material here. And we uh, finished Chapter 3 last time, so we are now on Chapter 4. Uh, this chapter continues to link various strange and mysterious occurrences through a theme of underlying connection. Uh, it argues all things are interrelated, even if not obviously so. Using the example of fruits uh, versus vegetables and psychology terms applied loosely. Um, so it says more cases are shared of people 
injured by falling objects in Brooklyn around the same time, uh, and three soldiers struck by an unseen assailant. So basically they're talking about, in that case there, invisibility, it seems. Uh, it says, houses are entered and vandalized in ways unexplained, with lace curtains torn down and items smashed, but nothing stolen. Uh, several fox hunters uh, die or are injured in freak accidents around the same time. Uh, it says, these are all just examples, apparently. Prison officials become uh, ill or die in a short period of time. Uh, a series of unexplained mansion fires occur in England with no theft and no way the arsonist could access parts of the houses on fire. Sort of the, um, just the, almost like, I think it's the term is locked door mystery, but more of a paranormal or unexplainable or even 4T in nature, I guess you could say. Uh, the chapter suggests a zebra and cow hitched together, drawing connections uh, between wildly different events. It argues for uh, relatability between things like a radical speaker in London calling for a revolution and a distant old mansion burning. Hmm. Not sure about that last one, but it does seem to be, he does seem to be talking about just sort of cause and effect and maybe causes having effects that, we, that where we can't quite figure out the cause. Um, I, I kind of, I think I kind of get what he's saying there. So that is odd, especially going back to the fires. Um, I'm, I'm just, I think that is a thing that has happened. Uh, and I mean, of, of course, some cases there may be other logical explanations, but also, uh, I always wonder with that. I mean, we hear about water manifesting in areas somehow for, with no apparent reason or source. So, um, Odd things do happen, obviously. That's sort of the main premise of this show. Uh, so moving on to Chapter 5. Uh, this chapter shares several more stories and mysterious crimes and magical thefts while discussing ideas of truth, fiction, and exclusionary thinking. Uh, so a story is shared of a talking dog that disappears in a thin greenish vapor. Uh, Charles Ford questions uh, accepting this tale yet embraces other magical stories. He argues everything contains some truth and fiction. That's an amazing idea there that there's sort of different bits and pieces and levels of truth and fiction in um, all things. I kind of li like that in a way. Maybe it's because of my, my um, I do write uh, fiction. And uh, so, anyway, it says more unexplained thefts are recounted, such as an unlocked uh, bag disappearing from a counter or money vanishing from a locked bag without it being opened. Yeah, that is kind of odd. Uh, the, the chapter uh, argues all minds practice exclusion and sets its own arbitrary and unreasonable limits for belief. Um, and actually, I think this has been referenced uh, by, again, a good friend of the show, Michael Strange, 
And uh show we did it a little while back about um sort of Charles Fort and his uh things, his his ideas and, and writings. Um and so Fort mentions the talking disappearing dog becomes a symbol of where the writer draws that line while accepting other magical events. And so basically it's just saying he can accept a lot of things, but not that one. So and I sort of I like that. I mean, to me I'm at the point now with enough experiences where I'm not going to just automatically throw really just about anything out as, as possible. So um, last part of this chapter here, the summary says the motive, the motive continues to be linking mysterious unexplained events that challenge rational explanation. The chapter continues to embrace magical events as somehow relating to deeper truths and, um, much like, I'm sorry, fiction stories can. So that's chapter five. Um, yeah, I like the idea of sort of mixing, again, reality and fiction together. And I think that happens so often. And uh, so, yeah, neat chapter there. And uh, But anyway, moving on to the next one here. Uh, let me see here, chapter six. And uh, so this chapter explores cases of mysterious hair clipping and stealing. That's odd. It argues against dismissing them as simply thieves selling hair, suggesting deeper, unexplained motives. Stories are shared of unidentified hair clippers stealing women's hair, uh, braids, and locks of hair. In some cases, the victims are unaware until later uh, discovering uh, some of their hair has been removed. The chapter notes uh, parallels to magical thefts, poltergeists, and occult rituals. Um, people that do this, they're the, the, whatever the forces are that do this, vanish mysteriously in some accounts. Um, I guess maybe they're saying people in some cases too, I don't know. Uh, it says a scare is described in China of invisible assailants uh, cutting off men's pigtails, their hair. And that's, I guess they have that um, style over there, or at least they did, uh, causing panic. The text suggests that while hysteria spread, um, initial genuine cases did seem to occur. And you get that as well with so much of the paranormal. There are um, maybe one event, and it may have really been unexplainable or paranormal, and then sort of things get out of control, and various psychological reasons uh, lead people to sort of want to be part of that in some cases. Again, not that I'm dismissing the paranormal, of course, but um, and just all kinds of things going on there. Uh, but anyway, Charles Ford argues against conventional explanations that dismiss all cases. Uh, he sees magical qualities in some accounts of hair vanishing or attackers disappearing inexplicably. So um, so that's it for that chapter. Um, that is odd. I've heard of that, and I've heard that hair can be used in all different kinds of magic and different things. So. In a way, unfortunately, that does track. Um, but also, I mean, I've heard of objects vanishing and, and other objects appearing out of nowhere. So I wonder, again, 
do people in some cases sort of just walk into the wrong spot where there is just this energy field that um, their hair actually gets clipped away by by strange sort of unexplainable energies or I don't even know connections to other dimensions and it's not even necessarily a a, a, um, a theft in the in that sense um, I wonder about that as well it's sort of cases where again going back to also the mysterious injuries from previous chapters in this in this um, material here where things seem to happen and there doesn't seem to be an explanation um, I don't totally rule out unfortunately the possibility of invisible forces or attackers sort of being able to do these things but also um, if you think about the idea basically of let's say just portals in that sense opening and closing um, if you get into the middle of one of those or in the way of one of those and it's sort of not a full-sized um, or human-sized portal then maybe that could explain sort of injuries that happen because of the opening or close well basically the closing of these portals i wonder if that's um could be the source of some of those events anyway um going back to the material here chapter seven uh this chapter discusses mysterious and vicious attacks on animals we won't go into this too deep if it does get too gory uh, some cases may suggest vampire-like behavior or the involvement of throwbacks to more primitive uh, evolutionary eras. Uh, it describes attacks on cattle and sheep where the animals are slashed or um, injured in un unexplained ways, often at night. Some, at some uh, attackers called it an irresistible impulse. So there they're saying, I'm guessing that some of the people that did this were caught and they could not explain why they wanted to do that. Um, that I think you can go either way on. But the one thing here, I guess that's maybe good to point out is they mention cattle mutilations. And that is something that is a very... Um, I would say, I mean, not divisive, but a lot of people have a lot of different views on what those are. And that is associated in some cases with um, the whole idea of sort of um, aliens of some kind doing experiments on various creatures at, for reasons unknown and leaving behind these animals, but in conditions that don't make sense. So... I wonder if um, he's sort of, Fort is sort of re referencing some of that as well. Um, but so this um, case is recounted of uh, Adali, I'm not sure, E D A L I I is the last name, who was accused and convicted of cattle, uh, injuring cattle, but later uh, exonerated when the case attracted wider publicity the um, real attacker was never discovered. So the chapter speculates on parallels to vampires and wonders if myths of humanoid vampires could 
represents some innate primitive urge or evolutionary regression. Uh, it argues that humanity's state of mind that once um, sanctioned torture of fellow humans, <laughs> some people would say, eh, anyway, um, persistent enabling atrocities against animals by those seeking the glory of science, and that's an exclamation in quotation marks there. So, um, overall, it tries to understand mysterious um, injuries of animals through themes of uh, buried primal urges, vampirism, and unrestrained scientific impulses. That's an odd thought there. Um, so that's that chapter. I don't really have much more to say about that. Um, but moving on to the next one here. Uh, this chapter shares accounts of attacks uh, potentially suggesting vampire-like behavior. Stories are recounted such as a sailor uh, with the last name of Brown uh, found um, drawing blood from a dead crewmate on a ship confessing to being a vampire. So just for those that listen to this podcast, um, regularly we're getting into some darker things here. So just a note um, where we have been getting into some some darker things tonight. Um, And a man in Portugal who admitted that he was a vampire after another person was found um, deceased without any blood. Uh, Several cases are shared of people Let's see here. Waking to find wounds, often uh, paired puncture marks, suggesting some nocturnal bite. Again, going to things like Dracula and just a lot of lore about these kinds of creatures that are human, but also not quite human, maybe. Uh, The the chapter suggests possible vampire attacker, uh, a possible vampire attacker in London and New York in late 1913. Recounting women found dead with mysterious puncture wounds. Uh, it questions conventional explanations for such cases, arguing they point to something unexplained, uh, unexplained um, occurring, reminiscent of vampire folklore, and indicating there may be more yet to learn of such myst- mysterious attacks. Uh, the motive is to find and piece together accounts suggesting the possibility of human vampire-like behavior that defies uh, simple explanation explanations and skeptics. So, um, let me see if the next chapter does go into, if it goes into more of that, because I'm not really as interested in that. Okay, doesn't look like it goes into, it doesn't look like it continues that trend there, so that's good. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that is stuff that, um, I didn't. I didn't know we'd be getting into, but I think it's important to, to check out everything in in Fort's material there. So um, I'm not really. I'm okay with doing that, just so everyone knows what we're doing here. So um, moving on to the next chapter here, so we have time just maybe for one, maybe two more. Um, this chapter, chapter nine here. This discusses. Oh wait, I have nine. Um, let me double check. Yes. Okay. Chapter nine. Uh, this chapter discusses a series of mysterious attacks and wounds inflicted on um, people in various cities, including 
London, New York, Boston, and Bridgeport. In some cases, victims were stabbed or shot, but no weapon or bullets were ever found. Some of the attackers seemed to be able to vanish uh, mysteriously. There was a panic in London in 1922 when several men showed up at a hospital with uh, stab wounds to the neck, refusing to explain what happened. Similar wounds showed up on people in uh, Germany in 1901. Um, let me see here. In New York, in the winter of 1891-92, several men were attacked by an unknown assailant who disappeared uh, marvelously, as in, like, just mysteriously. A man named Dowd, D-O-W-D, was captured and blamed, but claimed innocence. The attacks then ceased. So, some cases it can be possibly just people, but also you wonder um, about the ones where, the, the, you know, there's no obvious person that they can find for that. Uh, other examples include a phantom... Uh, Phantom Sniper in Camden, New Jersey in 1928 who shot out windows uh, attacked by a silent sniper around in, in Boston around 1930, 1931, and a phantom stabber, in quotation marks there, in Bridgeport from 1925 to 1928, um, so, and uh, of course, the, te- the chapter speculates on the motives and methods behind these attacks, suggesting an imag- imaginative criminal element, in quotation marks there, with perpetrators seeking attention, mystery, and notoriety with, uh, while seeming to possess unusual abilities in some cases to vanish or conduct assaults undetected. Uh, overall, it examines the puzzling circumstances around unsolved attacks and woundings, some possibly involving occult explanations. So that's that chapter. Let me check on the next one. And while I'm doing that, I'll just sort of comment on that. And that's sort of getting into the darker possibilities of, abil- of different maybe abilities that people could have or other entities could have to sort of teleport or vanish or be invisible. Um, of course, we hear about this all in fiction, but um, you wonder about that. Where did that? Where did those those fictional stories come from? And um, so, yeah, I think we'll stop there. We don't only have like a minute left for to this episode today. Um, so, apologize if that was too dark for anyone. Um, but um, I do think it's important to cover. Basically, like I said, everything that Fort reviewed, uh, that he collected and talked about, and uh, at least just even in passing. And um, so we'll, we'll keep this going next time. Um, again, this week's shows, if you're listening to the podcast or YouTube feeds, these are all going to be reviews um, of the complete books of Charles Fort, just to give me some time to build up my, um, my sort of uh, reserve of true paranormal stories from the web for future shows, so um, those will be back. Those kind of episodes will be back with um, episode 533 and 536 once we get there. Um, So 
those are not going away for good. Those are just it's, it's one. It's just a one week break from that, and uh, may do that whenever I need to. Sort of again, um, get the reserve going, stockpile going of these those stories for our future use in episodes. So um, that's all we time we have for tonight. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all on the next episode of South Sea Paranormal. Take care. <laughs>